Hello, welcome back to the Josh and Ethan podcast. It's been like over three months, <laughs> so we're going to have a lot to talk about. We're not going to be able to cover it all today, but we got some stuff to, to talk about. Yeah, right now we're in a virtual setup still. We think we'll be back in person soon, but um, while we're still virtual, we're actually able to go in different periods of time and expand what we're talking about a bit more, which is one positive of that. But um, yeah, we have a couple of things politically to talk about. We have a continuation of some political stuff that we were talking about. And then we still have stuff in the wrestling world going on. So uh, I figure because it's always like more annoying, we can start with politics. So let's just go in chronological order. So Supreme Court, what do you think about it? Um. I I think a lot of people are scared because there's a lot of people who are Republicans and who are appointed by Trump on the Supreme Court. So they have that fear of, well, now the Supreme Court is all Republican and they're going to, you know, take away our rights or whatever. I understand that's that fear. But I think the likelihood of that actually happening is very low because, you know, the Supreme Court or Trump isn't going to have people take away the rights, and, you know, this, you know, because it's just it doesn't make sense. It's not it's not something I think that they're going to do. I understand the fear, but it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think. um one comforting thing I, I think is one, if people are worried about like Roe being overturned and stuff, which I'm kind of more moderate on all of that, so that isn't of like major choice to me, but if people are like really concerned about that being overturned, the only, the thing about Republican judges is that they generally flip and don't vote along party lines as much as Democrat appointed judges do. If you just look at the rulings, like Roberts flips a lot um Gorsuch flips a lot so like I think there's probably only two or three votes to overturn Roe so I don't think that any of these major major rulings are going to change just because you have another Republican judge on the bench yeah I also do think that they should have respected the fact that um RBG did want to wait until there was a new president instated um but I mean, I I get why they had they appointed um, a new justice, but I don't think they necessarily needed to put one on immediately. Yeah, I definitely think um, it just shows more the hypocrisy of all of our politicians and why they're horrible people. Because the Democrats were like, "No, now you have to wait." After they tried to rush through in the Obama era, and now the Republicans are like, "Oh no, you had to wait during the Obama era, but now they're trying to rush through." So it's just it. Shows why I hate all politicians even more. Yeah. By the way, if I sound like out of it, it's because I have really bad allergies right now. Yeah, seasonal allergies have been pretty rough. Uh, oh. Okay. I figure that's kind of a simpler one. We might as well go into presidential and all the craziness happening there. Yeah, that's that's a <laughs> that's quite. It was quite a experience it's unlike any election i've seen before yeah basically 
I, I mean, if you're listening for like the three people that listen to this, in case you don't know, which if you don't, what's wrong with you? Um, presidential presidential election this year was Trump versus Biden. Uh, on election day, they started counting all the votes. It was dragged out until I think Saturday, and they eventually did end up having Biden win all of his electoral votes that he needed to win. So he's our presidential elect. Uh, he turned, what was it, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, uh, which were all red states. He turned them blue, and that's how he was able, how he was able to win. And he Trump narrowly took power. Georgia, I think, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Trump, however, thinks that there's fraud involved with turning the red states blue. So he's trying to, I guess, sue sue whoever. I don't even know who he's trying to sue. I think but he's trying to sue uh, because of fraudulence and, you know, rigging the election. But he doesn't really have a case because there's no evidence that's been found proving fraudulence. So he's just going to be a crybaby about it. I, I the One thing I'm really excited for and really want to see is when he has to step down and when Biden is instated, because I like I wonder like is he just gonna like be a crybaby about it you know pout about it not want to leave or I have no clue what's gonna happen there. Yeah, it should be interesting. I think this election was really interesting. I was making electoral maps with friends from Tuesday to Friday probably, and it was really interesting because we were watching it and like it was projected initially if you just looked at how the states were starting to go. Like, 3.30, Biden, and, like, it was a huge blowout. Then, and we were watching the betting odds, too, and the betting odds were, like, 70 Biden, 30 Trump. Then they didn't nosedive, and they completely flipped. It was like, wow, Trump, like, somehow won. The polls were wrong again. And then it flipped back, and then, like, in the morning, it was clear that Biden was probably winning. Then that was just kind of solidified. So I think it's very interesting because this was a year that with— Trump in office, who's a very unpopular president, you expect the Democrats to gain in the Senate, which they had slightly, and start to form a really big majority in the House. But they actually lost seats in the House, and the Republicans are probably going to hold the Senate Senate via runoff races in Georgia. So I think it's really interesting, because there's really something about how there were a couple, not a couple, but there were enough Republicans that kind of said, I don't like Trump, but I still like Republicans that maybe voted for Biden at the top of the ticket, but down-ballot voted Republican, which is why we're going to have this weird position where Biden's going to be the first Democrat president and I think, 30 years, the statistic is, to not have both the House and the Senate going in for the first two years of his term. So he's going to be in a weakened position where he's not going to be able to do as much. So I think it's really interesting just the way that's gone. And we have to see how these runoff races in Georgia are looking. But there is this weird thing now of the polls where it's like you can just add like four points to Republicans basically because they always overperform because people lie to pollsters, which I don't get. But it's like when that happens, it puts these dead even Georgia races to like Republicans are probably weighing them and holding the Senate. But the whole thing is interesting to me, especially how Republicans gained in the House, even though Trump lost in a relative blowout early. Yeah. But I thought, you know, just for the presidential election – it was really interesting to see because, you know, most 
of the map was completely red. And, you know, just the important states, you know, Biden had it, had them won. So I didn't, beforehand, before this past election, I kind of knew about uh, Electoral College and all that, but I didn't really like, fully understand. But then I eventually, like, I understood, well, states with more population have more electoral votes, you need the 270 to win, um, all that. So it kind of, kind of got me, you know, kind of thinking about it where and i kind of talked about it this with i forgot who but i was kind of talking about how maybe electoral college is starting to become outdated and we don't actually need to use electoral college and maybe we can use an alternative um alternative system of voting yeah i think that's an interesting debate i think i still lean towards the electoral college for two reasons really one socially like from social politics i don't like the founders of course because like they were chill with people holding slaves to hold the country together and they didn't want women to vote or anything but i think from a governing standpoint of how government should be run the founders did do a really solid job and that presidents and we haven't had them in a long time which is why i don't like our recent strand of presidents but presidents that followed that more federalist standpoint in being more of like these um, constitutionalists have had historically good presidents and are historically well-liked people more like Lincoln that were in this more classical style of following the constitution. So I think that though sometimes the electoral college can be weird, like you in that popular vote, I think you have to look at it as the popular vote is an important thing. The electoral college is also important because you can either decide the majority or you can decide, well, people in rural areas might be more helped by Republicans and people in urban areas are probably be more helped by Democrats. But is it worth it for California being a huge blowout to flip it one way just, and then make it where all of those smaller States have issues. So I definitely think it's an interesting debate and I really could go either way on it. I just win electoral college. Cause I honestly, I know lots of people were upset that, like, the Electoral College is how, like, Trump, like, stole the election from Hillary. But I didn't really like Hillary. She wasn't my candidate. So I didn't really care that Trump won. And, like, I definitely haven't enjoyed this last year of his presidency specifically. But I don't, like, blame the Electoral College actively for that. I just think it's a system that's generally worked every time before. But I'm definitely open to hearing debates about changing it. Yeah. And then also... I think Hillary kind of like shot herself in the foot like the last couple of months of her election because all that stuff was coming up about her. So people were changing their minds. So it wasn't necessarily electoral colleges vote or electoral colleges fall. It was just that a lot more people were starting to like Hillary less. Yeah. And she it, just ended up losing by electoral college vote. It was, she was a bad candidate. And well, I want to say actually bad because like if you like, more of these, well, I want to say neoliberal, classical liberal, because she was a bit farther south than that. But like, if you like, like, what she was standing for, of course she's a good candidate to you. But I think to the more moderate America that most can that most people live in, they kind of decide between candidates every year, which is like how we ended up with Trump and then Biden this time. I think um, that she was probably becoming a very unflattering candidate, and because of her record, people could kind of see where that was going 
But with Trump, it's like, yeah, there's all these personality flaws. We don't really know he's going to be, so we might as well lean towards that. So I think it was less the Electoral College is doing and more just the way the candidates were lined up that year. Because it was really an unprecedented thing. Yeah, I mean, even this year was a little odd because there was so many people that really didn't like Trump, obviously. And then, on the other hand, there was a lot of people that didn't really like Biden either. I wasn't even a huge fan of Biden. Like, I I really don't like Trump. But I don't even really like Biden either because he's old. He doesn't know what he's saying half the time. I, I don't 100% agree with a lot of what he he's trying to do for the country. But I think a lot of people voted for Biden just because he wasn't Donald Trump. And I think because that's a huge reason why he won the election. Had, had Donald Trump not won, um, if, if he wasn't the person running in, in the end for Republicans, I think Biden would have lost tremendously. Oh yeah, it was so some, close. I think I think if some, if somebody else was running, other than Donald Trump in the Republican uh, party, Trump would have or the that Republican would have won a, a yeah. ton. I think if you run a different Republican, they probably even win the popular vote because like no matter what, California, New York, and Chicago are going to like go blue by wide margins, but like some of those other cities, you might be able to flip red. Because I think it really just shows this wasn't something that, and I think I was kind of leaning into this by the election. It's like Trump's personality is just so repulsive that a majority of people wanted to get him out. But there were a lot of people that were like, well, we want to get him out, but that means putting Biden in charge. And we don't really like everything Biden does. So what if like we put in a Republican Senate, like there was Senate stays, so Biden can't do that much. And we just kind of have like this four-year buy period before hopefully we can get, like, a likable Democrat like Buttigieg or Yang and, like, a likable Republican like Tim Scott or somebody. So it's, like, I feel like this was kind of, like, a reset term almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think just in the end, it was just a relief to finally know, after all those days, who was winning. And, I don't know, just just finding out who was the president after those days was just, like, I felt like a relief because I wasn't stressing about it. Yeah, so I think is I know from one of our more recent episodes, we disagreed with Biden's VP pick quite a bit, but I think we should note first woman VP. That's pretty cool, even though she might not be like a VP that I prefer on a policy level. Uh, Sorry, my Discord is blowing up. Let me mute that. But, um... So I think that's still a cool moment we should take in. I have seen lots of people say she's the first VP of color. Um, she's second one. She's the first woman, though. But um, there was a Native American VP under Herbert Hoover. But um, I think congratulations to Kamala Harris. She'll be the 47th president of the United States, probably. Yeah, because Biden's, Biden's bound. If he doesn't die in at least his third year, I would be shocked. I, I ever see him handing it off a year or two years in or dying in the second or third year. And I don't mean that in like a cruel way. It's just, you look at his age one and then two, you look at him like in 2012, this guy was super energetic. I mean, he was still a bit loony, like saying that Mitt Romney will put you back in chains and stuff, but like he was very energetic and I've seen a bit of energy from him since he won the presidency. 
like I saw some clips of his inaugural dress. He seemed like pretty like fired up, but it still doesn't like overwhelm how milk toast he really was in all those debates. So I definitely see her being president. Yeah, he he just seems a lot slower. He he like mentally mentally and physically, like he talks a lot slower. He he isn't as, you know, energetic as he used to be. But yeah, he's the oldest president elect. He'll be the oldest president stated what at seventy eight, seventy nine. Yeah. So yeah, I mean I mean, obviously, hopefully, I don't wish death upon him. I, I, I don't. But I mean, the likelihood of him dying and passing the seat to um, Kamala Harris is very likely. Yeah, and I don't. Again, like I don't like her, honestly, on a policy level. Like she's way too far to the left for me. But again, we're probably looking at he drops out somewhere near the midterms and. If we're looking at a Republican Senate or Senate and House, like, again, it's this is kind of a bi period till we can get more likable, more moderate Democrat and Republican candidates, where it's like not we're choosing the lesser of evils, but we're choosing which candidate we actively like better, which is what I really hope that America does in the primaries. But I do think your stat about Biden being the oldest president elect is really sad because shouldn't the whole thing be that, like, Eight years ago, Biden should have been president with Obama as his VP. Then now, Obama should become president because, like, Biden kind of elevated him by making his VP. Isn't it kind of sad that the younger guy who's elected president at a relatively young age elevated this older guy to be his VP, but then the older guy became the next? Doesn't it feel like a bit out of whack to you? I feel like I'm worrying yeah. this wrong. It's just I, I, I wish I that think, I do think that Biden did. That's another big reason why he won. Um, you know, because, you know, people who don't keep up with politics or don't really know or keep up with the election or anything like that, I think they just had it in their head preset to vote for Biden because he was the VP for Obama. Yeah. So I think that's also a big reason why he did win. A lot of people voted for him because he was a VP for Obama, which almost everyone loved. Well, not almost everyone, but a lot of people did like. Yeah, he's either, there's two ways to really look at it. Well, there's several, and I'll kind of break them down. He's either the obscure senator that's run for president a billion times and always lost. And at that rate, Bernie Sanders wins the primary. And then you have Bernie v. Trump, and Trump probably blows him out because Bernie's basically a Marxist. Or you have, you see him as the VP for Obama, and Obama was like the greatest president ever. So of course you're going to vote for Biden because he'll be a continuation of Obama. Or you see him, how I kind of saw him as VP for Obama, where Obama was like a president that I didn't really love on policy, but he was a nice guy. So, I like nice people, and I don't like Trump's personality. So, you know what? Yeah, let's go Biden, because he's a nice guy. And um, speaking of, oh, uh, what's his name, Sanders being a Marxist, uh, I, I, what's your thing on the fair tax law? Okay, um, so I'll admit, I'm a bit biased here, because I do live in a higher income tax bracket, but... I was generally against it, and I'm kind of against it on a moral level, because I think that the flat tax you're still paying percentage, but the real reason I'm against it is for Illinois specifically, and actually our social studies teacher from something I was talking about her of this, why would we give Mike Madigan that much money? Yeah, Can you imagine true. what he would do that's with true. that? Like, it would be 
giving our state more money is not the solution to get us out of our debt. We have to have, like elect good politicians that can actually fix our. So like, while I have some biases against it, like on a more personal and moral level, just the idea of giving Madigan more money is so stupid to me, which is why I'm glad it failed. <laughs> like, he'll be like a, he'll be like a, he'll have like a, a layer. He'll build a layer, and <laughs> he's just gonna. So where we go to like his holdout bunker? I know lots of people have talked about how like Trump won't leave office, and maybe he won't. I think he'll just whine about it on Twitter. Like, if Madigan ever loses an election, I bet Madigan has, like, his whole secret service just ready to, like, assassinate the next person elected. Yeah, and then he'll be sitting there, sitting maniacally, laughing maniacally with his top 1% tax money. No, but how do you feel about it as an amendment? So, I, I, I didn't know, I didn't realize what it actually meant until I looked at or I went with my mom to go look at the ballot because that at first I was like, Oh, with all the signs, it was like, vote yes on the fair tax, uh, fair tax law. And I'm like, maybe, I don't know. I would have to look up, look at this more. But then when I saw the ballot, I was like, Oh, this is just, this is a people trying to incorporate socialism to, uh, America where, because you make more money, you have to pay more money. Yeah. Well, I don't and, want. I don't want to treat all progressive taxes as socialism. I don't want to like brand it as being because again, I all right. I don't want to actively say socialism is bad either. I'm just against socialism because generally it's what leads to communism, and I'm very against communism. But I just think that my biggest fear ever to Madigan, like really long term, is that's an amendment to the Illinois Constitution. Listen, if you're a billionaire or like you have tens or hundreds of millions of dollars and you don't want to pay those taxes, you just move to a different state. But then knowing Illinois politicians, they set up where they need that money. And how are they going to get that money? Then there are tax of people that make $100,000 a year. Then it's, it's like it's one thing to say, okay, the billionaires don't need that money. And no, again, I'm against it because it's more of like a socialist thing, and I think on a moral level, that's a bit wrong. But like, that's one thing, to tax someone where it's not going to hurt them on a physical level, it's just kind of like a more... I'm more against it morally, I guess I would say. And I don't think it's like a moral evil or anything. But when you're taxing someone that makes $100,000 a year, and you're taxing them a higher percentage to fuel like your random plans, like then that feels wrong, because if you're taxing, instead of like, I think... Federal and state combined, we pay like seven percent tax. I think in Illinois, right? Is what? Uh, I think it's six and a half. Six and a half. Okay. So let's say someone's making hundred thousand dollars, they're paying sixty-eight hundred of that. If you up that up to like, um, I don't know, like nine thousand dollars, like that's gonna start taking a real chunk out of those people's money. Like that might be, oh, they can't make this car payment, or like they have to move to a lower rent house or something. Like, on that scale, it becomes a real issue, and that's what I really worry about by making amendments to the Constitution. It just and lets them repeatedly do that. Into communism. Sorry, you could have it there? And so that's when it starts turning into socialism or communism. Yeah. And again, it would take a long time to get that far, but it's just, I think, weaving that opening in the Constitution where we go from this democratic republic to like more of this democratic socialist, like socialist spot, like to, so 
I, I don't like weaving an opening. I think the Illinois Constitution is good and works. And the issue isn't our Constitution, but it's our politicians in Illinois. Yeah, I don't think I don't think um, it's a good idea because I mean, even just I just don't think it's fair in general because I don't think if you make more money, you have to pay more money. If everyone's paying the same amount of money and it's doing our government good, fine. You know, you don't need to change anything. But if, if you want to raise taxes, I mean, I guess. I guess, like, kind of what you were saying, it's just, like, if if we do, you know, use for tax and we are taxing people who are making more money, there's, you know, a potential, a potential um, fear that it'll turn into, you know, communism, it'll turn into socialism, but well, I think, I think just for now, no, I don't think we need to right now. Yes, I think communism and socialism are a bit far. Especially, especially for this pandemic right now. I don't think it's fair to start voting on fair tax right now. Maybe wait until next election. But, yeah. yeah. I think um, I think communism and socialism is a bit far and we're being a bit unfair. But just taxing when those richer people move out, taxing people to make a little bit less money, like keeping that trickling down that's when I think it becomes a real issue. Yeah. And I think we say, like, people are paying the same amount. Like, people are paying the same amount on a percentage basis right now. It's not like everyone's paying $5. It's like everyone's paying 6% of how much they make. So we're already paying on a percentage level where it, that's, like, theoretically, like, the most fair way to do it. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I don't like giving that opening to Illinois politicians. Yeah. Um, what else? What else politics? Um, I guess Biden packing the court. Well, it's not going to happen because the Senate's probably staying red. Yeah. As long as but, both run, runoff seats in Georgia go red, which I assume they are, then um, Harris's tiebreaker vote won't matter. And then he won't be able to pass any judges. Unless Republican flips... But seeing how this year went in the House and Senate, at least, and how they were set up for midterms, I don't see Republicans flipping from party lines. Yeah. Plus, it'll... I think adding more people to the court will make... Um, will just make general... Make it, in general, more complex than it needs to be. I think nine is just the perfect number. Yeah, and also it opens a possibility, like... What's to stop it from, say we have a Republican president four years from now and a Republican Senate, what's to stop them from saying, well, Biden, you add five justices, I'm now at ten, so now we have the majority again. And, like, they just keep doing that back and forth. It just, you don't want to water down the court like that. OBG even said a couple of years ago that nine was the perfect number, so. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think they need to add more people. And I think it's, it's because they don't have the majority in the House. But again, that fear that they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade or they're going to take away women's rights or, or, you know, gay rights or whatever, it's just not likely. So I don't think they need to back the court. Yeah, and even so, a good amount of Republicans have rolled into one of the recent civil rights, like expanding civil rights acts to protect LGBTQ people as well. 
So it's not like the Republicans are like purely like, no, we're going to take away all these gay rights. Like most of them are generally pretty reasonable justices. So it's not like I think anything major is going to get overturned. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much it politics wise. Yeah. Let's talk about wrestling. So I want to actually start with WWE because there's a lot of bad stuff we can talk about. I'm sure we'll get into some of it. But I have one thing to say. Roman Reigns is like the greatest heel. I remember about a year ago, Jericho talked about if he could bring in five guys to AEW who he would want to bring. And Roman Reigns was on that list. And I was, why would you bring Roman Reigns in? He's an average worker who is just not over as a baby face. Gets a little bit over when he gets real life promos about leukemia. But he can't just be leukemia man for his entire wrestling career. So, so I'm like, what are you going to do with him? He comes back, he turns heel. Okay, it's fun. And his promos as a tribal chief are so great. I don't know if... I don't really watch Raw SmackDown or XD anymore because I think they're horrible. But I'll watch clips if I hear they're good. And when he called Drew, like, the secondary champion, it was just so good. He is such a good heel now. <laughs> like, I remember, like, not even a year ago, people were booing Roman Reigns because he was a face... You're booing Roman Reigns because he was a heel. Just nobody liked Roman Reigns. He needed to rebrand because the the way the way that he was kind of designed at first was a John Cena 2.0, big strong man, does same four moves, wins championship, be happy. And it was it was just kind of getting old. I mean, nobody liked it in the beginning, and you know it just got older and older. So people started turning on him, and people didn't really like his character. But now this rebrand, this rebranding of him, I still think he needs new music because his music now doesn't match with his character anymore. But um, I just think this rebranding of Roman Reigns was exactly what he needed because, you know, it was just going to be a matter of time where people just were going to be absolutely exhausted of seeing Roman Reigns and they didn't want to see him anymore. But I think I think he's been doing an excellent job. His promo work has absolutely been so much better than what it used to be. Like I remember John Cena annihilated him on, on national television. He had nothing to respond with. But you know, now I think to say he could go toe to toe with John Cena is not probably not realistic promo wise. But I think it, he could definitely still put up a fight. Oh, I, I think he's. I honestly think he's a better promo than Cena now, just because Cena's more of a catchphrase. That's Rain, true. Reigns is more of a... Because, like, I like catchphrases. Like, Jericho's my favorite wrestler. So, like, I like when he's, like, way champion and stuff like that. I like the demo god. But he's not pure way catchphrase guy. He changes his promos every time. Did you yeah. see his promos were starting to get the same every time. But I think one thing that's really sad to me about... They should have done this with Reigns, like, six, seven years ago. Because there was a tiny, tiny bit of gray in his beard... Like, he's definitely not old yet, but they wasted a lot of time. Like, he should be just turning babyface now after being, like, the dominant tribal chief for, like, six, seven years. And then it's like, all right, now we're ready for Roman as the babyface. Like, this guy's the greatest. We're super behind him. Like, we want him to be the top babyface. We want him to win the championship. And that's definitely going to happen, like, two, three years from now. Like, I'm ready to get behind Roman Reigns as a babyface. But I think that they were a bit too late on turning him heel. So I'm enjoying the time right now. I'm just worried that I'm not going to have enough years. 
left with my new appreciation of Roman as a character. So, um, I, th- I think what the plan was, I, I, if I remember correctly, I don't know. I heard this like a week ago or so, but the plan is to have him be the champion as the tribal chief until like the Royal Rumble. I think they're going to have Goldberg take it off him. They said, if they do that, um, that'd be so stupid. And then they're going to have like Biggie beat, beat um, Goldberg for the universal title. Yeah. Which we, we could talk about Biggie as well later, but he's been doing awesome as well. Well, he's been doing awesome when he's actually on TV. He's not on TV after weeks. But there's, um, I was listening to some stuff that Meltzer was saying on Observer Radio, and he was talking about how originally the plan was for Reigns, and all right, in all honesty, Vince changes the show every day. There's no long-term plans. But originally the plan was for Reigns to be champion for like two months, and then for him to take him off, off him. So I don't know, maybe there is that plan for it to be Goldberg than Big E. But honestly, at this rate, I see him being champion until they can actually make a new star, which I don't know when that's going to be. So, yeah, let's highlight a few of our people that he's doing well with. There's not many. <laughs> then we can talk about just the absolute mess of the rest of the card. Yeah, um, but what I was saying was, yeah, they're going to put it on Big E, who's also doing pretty well. And I think that'll be really good for him, because he definitely deserves a, a title shot. He should have gotten one years ago. Yeah. But... Um, they're supposedly going to do a Rock versus uh, Reigns at WrestleMania, which will be really interesting. That would be a true cementing of Reigns as a star. And I think during yeah. the COVID era with movies, Rock could probably actually get away to do it, maybe. So I hope they do that. I don't see it happening, but that'd be fun. But yeah, they definitely they need to stop bringing Goldberg back. But um, I would love either Daniel Bryan from Reigns feud or Big E. Roman Reigns feud. The yeah. issue is like Biggie is awesome, but he's never on TV. Like they actually have to get him on TV more for me to kind of care. I, you know what I mean? I think, like I, I love Biggie, but he's never on TV. I think Daniel Bryan would be the next feud for Reigns. I do think that WWE needs to do a better job of legitimizing Biggie to make him a legitimate star. Like have him have him be put over by some some decently good wrestlers um, on yeah. SmackDown. Um, and then I think they can do a Reigns uh, Big E feud. Um, but I think when it comes to WrestleMania, uh, Rock versus Reigns, I would love to see a heel Rock again, but I just don't think we're ever going to have the opportunity to see that again, just because no. he's a yeah. wee man. Um, so it'll be heel Reigns versus Rock, which is fine. Because as long as it's The Rock, you know, everyone's happy. Yeah. Um, but Tribal Chief Reigns with Face the face Rock, uh, that'll be an interesting feud, especially the promos. Yeah. So, Orton beat Drew, then Drew beat him back for, like, yeah. no reason. I don't that get makes it. zero sense. All they like, did was delegitimize Drew. That's all they did. Like, I don't... I don't really understand first of all that feud was dragged out for much longer than i think it needed to be you know why it was dragged out for so long why because they have no stars yeah randy orton and drew McIntyre are the only legitimate people on raw that actually mean anything and like i like people on raw like i think i think mustafa ali is really talented ricochet is really talented i've wanted those guys to get pushes but it's like oh he got injured because orton kicked him really hard in the head 
and he was going to have the Kofi slot, but, like, now he doesn't. It's like, so, the issue is, there's people that could be stars and could be in those feuds, but there's not going to be because they're too small or they're not pretty enough or they don't have long enough hair for Vince. It's like, I I don't get Because when you look at Reigns and McIntyre, you see what Vince wants. You have big, muscular guys with small beards and long ponytail hair. That's all greased up. Yeah. That's all Vince wants to push. And, all right, on Raw, it's like, the Hurt Business is cool. But all they do is beat people. Like, what is Bobby Lashley being protected for? Yeah, I think I think when they brought Lashley back, they did it entirely wrong. I did think I do think they restored his character a little bit when they did the whole hurt business thing. I like the hurt business. I like it a lot. I think oh, yeah. it's MVP think is awesome. It's... Cedric and Shelton can work, and Lashley's a fine big man. It's just either you're gonna start treating your championships like they mean something by having Lashley be protected because he's U.S. champion, but you know that they don't value their championships at all. So whatever reason is there to protect Lashley? I don't get it. Right. And then it's like they keep flop flip-flopping between face, heel, face, heel. Like I, I never know if if Retribution, if um, her business is face or heel. The whole thing with Cedric, Cedric Alexander was really confusing. So they started off really well with her business, but just recently it, it's not making any sense. They got to put the title. At least have Lashley lose the title to somebody, and then have like Sheldon Benjamin win it. Yep, yeah, they have to. The group is great. The guys in are great. They're pushed well. I just don't know why they're being pushed. I don't know why they're being pushed against the same people every week. Yeah. Okay. So um. Yeah, basically WWE's a mess, but there are a couple real breakout stars like Biggie and Reigns and McIntyre. Um, AW. Picked up Miro. Apparently Shaq is doing a match now. Darby is TNT champion. Cody finally put someone over. Birdie Lee is missing right now. Um, I know Meltzer said that AW won't tell him anything about where he is. So I hope everything's okay. He's just taking some time off. And then he'll come back for a big thing. But as long as Birdie's okay, one good thing has been Silver, the new BTE champion has been cutting promos like he is Brody Lee now on Dynamite every week. And he's just <laughs> the greatest. Because he's like his own I, little Brody Lee coat. It's so funny. I love that they're giving Silver more TV time. Because on BTE, he's the highlight of the show. He he makes the show. It is hilarious. John Silver is the most hilarious guy in BTE. And when, when crowds come back, Silver's going to be so over. He's just... He's just weird, but it's funny. Yeah. Like, so AW's had like a thousand people at their shows for Dynamite, like all spaced out in pods. Because Florida yeah. allows them to do that and the CC allows them to do that. So that's cool. And it's kind of tough to come across on TV. So they're still doing like the crowd miking and sweetening of the wrestler crowd. But um, apparently from what I've heard, like live in the building, Silver is like a fan favorite and Reynolds is a fan favorite. Like the entire Dark Order is super over. As they should be. Um, I mean, it has a lot to do with BTE. I mean, because yeah. I, I feel like I've watched, I haven't watched BTE. I hadn't watched BTE, um, like pre-pandemic, but this pandemic I'd been watching BTE all the time because people have time for it and they ad- they talk about it on, on Dynamite. So it's kind of like, you know, 
promotion for their own little show, I guess. But it's it's really entertaining. And even for people that you don't see on TV all the time, it reminds you of who's there and that some of these guys actually are do are good promos and they are good characters. And it's just it's fun. It's funny. I like it. Yeah. And it's a little bit of an inside insider thing. Like you get to see behind the scenes sometimes. So it, I don't know. It's really interesting. Cause I'm doing a, uh, a thing of rewatching the old, the old BTs with my dad. And you can see like how they went from vlog to vlog and skit to now they're mostly skit. But like, it's really cool. Cause you see like, okay, of course you have your stars like the Bucks and Sammy and Kenny and stuff. They're like prevalent on BT. Well, Kenny has actually been off BT of his new character, which I cannot wait to talk about. But um, it's like there's all these main people are on there, and you're like, of course they're great. Then you remind like Frankie Kazarian's here, Kip Sabian's here, and you're like, when they get that other hour TV show, it's like that's going to be the space for these guys that are still so great. It's just there's not enough TV time for them right now. And once they get pushed, like, then AEW is going to reach another level. Yeah. One of my favorite um, things right now in BTE is um, Michael Nakazawa and, and uh, Cole, Cole Cabana. Cabana. Yeah. Cabana has Nakazawa's face. <laughs> or his body. Um, but, yeah, Dark. I, I think Dark Order has really come a long way. Because last year, when they were they first debuted people were like what is this thing this is weird it's awful it's not really going anywhere i think what really saved them was the exalted one because after yeah. that they were legitimate faction they were taken seriously it was like brody gave them credibility and it's like why are uno and grayson like nine two as a tag team and i was like oh wait uno and grayson are great workers that's like they got credibility as a tag team you had brody lee who's like this main event star and then they started getting to bte bits and it's like these guys are all so funny, Silver especially, but it's like, 5 and 10 are funny, Reynolds is an amazing straight man, Birdie's hilarious, Uno's hilarious, Grayson's hilarious, Anna Jay's hilarious, like, it really, the whole group just came along great, but talking about coming along great, I want to talk about Darby as TNT champion, and they finally have a young guy as the champion, and I think that is just so great. Yeah, I think, um, I think Darby deserve really, really did deserve it because he. I felt like to me he was always kind of like a sleeper wrestler because he was a name that you knew. He was a guy that you saw regularly, but it wasn't really a guy you would think of, you know, as the, one of the top stars in AEW. Yeah. So I think he really did need that title to legitimate to legitimize himself as an actual wrestler, um, and he definitely deserves it because you know he does some crazy stuff. He's a really, really good ring wrestler. Um, so yeah, I think it was about time they gave, they gave something like this to Darby Allen because he's just, he's great. He really yeah. is. If you look at like the young wrestlers that they're pushing, you have Sam he's in this inner circle. His record's okay. And he's probably going babyface because like he's shown up as this great babyface recently going against MJF. So he and Jericho will probably go face against the rest of the inner circle once MJF gets him to turn on them. So it's like, you have that interesting angle there and he's done great so far, then you have the Hangman, who is tag team champions, and he'll probably win the world title, assuming Kenny wins it from Moxley. He'll win it from Kenny. And then you have uh, Darby, and Darby's kind of, like, his record isn't horrible, but he's jobbed the most out of, like, those key young guys. And, well, Jungle Boy's job more, but Jungle Boy, like, they're waiting another year or two on, I think. And I'm not mentioning MJF, because I think he's already cemented himself as a top guy. 
but Darby kind of needed this extra push to give him to that next level, where now Darby is that made star, and you can focus on, okay, now let's get Wardlow, Jungle Boy, and Big Will Hobbs, like, their big push to get them up to that next level. So it's good. You've kind of graduated your last class here with Darby at the TNT title and Sammy turning face of, like, all right, here are new guys who are in the mid-card to the main eventers. Now let's get our next batch of young guys going. Yeah. I, I will say, though, um, one criticism I have for AEW is recently their best women's matches have been from promotions that weren't even theirs. Their, yeah. their only good women's matches recently have been the NWA matches. Well, they They need to improve their women's division so badly because they have such good talent on the women's division, but they're just not using them a lot. Well, I will I will say I agree with you. I will say three things that help them. One, Serena Deeb is contracted to them, but has the NWA women's title for some reason. So that's interesting. They have Thunder Rosa on a per-date basis. They have Evil East, but they don't use her as much. Who They have we need to use her more. Then they have Sheeta, who's great. They have Nyla Rose, who isn't the greatest, but she's great when she works with Sheeta. And then... Riho is trapped out of the country right now because of the pandemic. So I think not having Riho definitely hurts them. And I think one big issue is just NXT signed up so many of the good women wrestlers that it's kind of a bit tougher for AWE a foothold in that. Where for men's wrestling, it's a lot easier because it's like, well, they didn't, Vince didn't get Jake Hager, so there's your big man. And then there's all these young guys from PWG, like Jungle Boy Hewn sign up. So it's like, there's a bit more, there's just a bit more size in the men's wrestling division, sadly. So they were able to pick up all the men they needed and some. But when they're looking for talented women, they're just trying to train up a lot. And, like, I think Anna is coming along well. Ty Conti is coming along well. Like, it's going to be a while before they reach that level of, like, the Sheetos and everyone. And I think they're kind of struggling right now. And they need the NWA support right now. Yeah. And I do th- I do agree with you that NXT signed all the good wrestlers. If you put the booking aside for NXT, I do think that NXT has the best women's division in the world. They have Tony Storm. They have uh, Ember Moon, who, who you know, she hasn't been used properly since before her injury. Uh, no, since she signed to the main roster. But she was always awesome. Uh, you have Rhea Ripley, who, you know, it unfortunately isn't hasn't been doing so good character-wise recently, but generally really good wrestler. I mean, you have all these amazing... Uh, Candice LeRae, awesome wrestler. You have all these, you know, great female talent, and this is going back to the WWE. You have all all these great female talents, but it's just like getting to learn how to use them right. Because, you know, I feel like this is a problem with WWE in general. They They push who they want, they don't listen to what the people want, and then they end up just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I think what's really interesting is, like, you'll get an XT, and by the numbers, like, they just have more good women's wrestlers than AEW does. And I'd say tag team division, there's some great tag teams in XT, but AEW's a better tag team division. And singles, I think you could go either way. It depends on your personal preference. I probably lean AEW. Part of that might be the booking. And I think what's really interesting is, like, name any two NXT women's wrestlers and send them to AEW. AEW's Wounds Vision gets a billion times better. And the thing is, NXT's Wounds Vision doesn't change because they still have a bunch of great women. 
It's just they're still not going to use them properly, and I think that's the real issue there. Yeah. And um, speaking of uh, WWE's women's division, they released Zelina Vega this week. Yes, Unize... But Twitch and Unization, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really unfortunate, man. Like, during this pandemic especially, this, you know, relevance, relevancy has been hard to maintain if you're in the WWE, especially, you know, since Vince is like, oh, you're too small, ah, don't be on my, don't be my champion. You're like the Thunderdome pal! <laughs> um... So a lot of people were, were keeping the relevancy with YouTube channels or Cameo or Twitch. Um, but now they can't have or they can have it. It's just Vince is going to get all that money or most of that money. And it's just like it, it's this is how they're a making their money like they're getting the money directly. Or I think Twitch gets a portion of donations. Cameo gets a portion I think Twitch gets half of subs and they get like 10% donations or whatever. Yeah, but compared to what they're what's happening now, it's the reverse. Vince is getting like 90% of it and they're getting 10. So, it's just like it, it, it Vince doesn't need to be making more money because he's actually making profit now, which is you know, because he's not doing travel. Yeah, they fired enough people and stopped doing cow shows, which were money losers, that they made a huge profit. So he doesn't need to be making more money. He took these people's money away from them because he just wanted to. There was no really real reason why he needed to do it. So Paige, Paige is one of the biggest people speaking out about this, which, um, you know, very bold of her, actually, because she doesn't really have a role in WWE right now. She's just kind of signed with them. So they could let her go right now. They would lose nothing. But, which is which surprises me. I don't know why they're not letting go of Paige and they're letting go of Zelina Vega. She's too big of a star. What was that? She's too big of a star. I mean, Paige was one of those last stars from the era where WWE had relevancy and when they actually booked people well. So it's actually like going to be a news story if they get rid of Paige because Paige gets mad that... So actually, I think we have to kind of take a step back if we're going to talk about this, where Andrew Yang, politicians can actually like, is apparently a big wrestling fan. And he's talking about how there would be... I hope he watches AEW actually to help him like wrestling more. But um, the issue with like WWE and um, unionization is like their tree is independent contractors which kind of isn't the best thing to treat wrestlers as because then they kind of get, like, screwed on all the medical bills for the injuries that they get while working for you. But it's like, okay, at least they can do their Twitch and Cameo. But then Vince is basically trying to have it both ways where he can say, I don't have to pay for, like, all your medical stuff and everything, even though you got injured while working for me. But I also get to seize your Twitch and stuff. You can't do that anymore. So I think it's going to be very interesting. Because I assume Yang's going to get a lot in Bayern's administration. I hope he does. I think he'd be one of the highlights of Bayern's administration. So I think that him kind of coming forward and trying to like, all right, Vince, it's either they're independent contractors and they get their Twitch accounts. Or they're fully signed employees and then you get the Twitch accounts. I think that's because Vince is just trying to have it both ways right now. And he really can't. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really unfortunate because, yeah, Zelina Vega was also a, a really, really vocal about her 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 anger with the the decision to take away um, their ability to stream on Twitch, make their own money, keep their own relevancy, and just as just as uh, in the WWE by itself, it was a shame because. You know, Zelina Vega is probably one of the best talkers for uh, in the women's division. She she's a really good promo. She uh, um, was kind of the mouthpiece for Andrade, and I think what she was doing was working for her. I do think that they should have, you know, made her wrestle a little more. But really, I think she should have wrestled less. I thought her real strength was as a manager and not being a wrestler. Yeah, I guess so. I I this I think the stuff with Oscar was a little confusing. Like, I don't know. Okay. WWE WWE's stupid. <laughs> it depends on how you push her though. It's I don't know. I definitely think she was a much better promo than Talker, but it doesn't matter now because she's probably gonna go match someone in AEW or be a mid card women's wrestler in AEW or something. But maybe she'll go to Impact. I don't know. But it's like it doesn't matter now. Like WWE lost her, but. There's definitely something there that people can use, especially from a promo standpoint. Okay, yeah, so- and I was, telling, I, was, I was telling my dad, if she does end up going AEW, I would love to see a, a Zelina Vega-Britt Baker feud, just because of the promos. Oh, the promo work in that would be amazing, yeah. Just because those are two women that, like, they're decent in ring, but, like, they're just A-plus promos. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I would love to see Yeah, so I want to talk about... Moxley and just a few different things. First off, he and Renee are expecting a kid. That's great for them. That's cool. And then I want to do a quick sub note on Renee in general. So she's doing a cookbook and she's doing a podcast and she's streaming on Twitch. Those are all things that Vince hates. His wrestlers writing their own books that aren't WWE licensed. His wrestlers streaming on Twitch and um, his wrestlers having their own podcast. And I know she's not under contract with him anymore. I know she wasn't a wrestler. But it just feels like now she's left, she's doing everything she can just to spite Vince. Or she's doing it all now because she couldn't before. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, I think it's a double-edged face. Like, something she always wanted to do. But it's also something that would just... Like, I see Vince getting super pissed off about it. So that's funny. But um, Moxley's been a great champion. He always calls his shot. He's like, Eddie, you're going to say I quit. Eddie says, I quit. He's like, Cage, I'm going to break your arm. He doesn't break his arm. Like, he takes an arms mission. Like, Lance and BJB. So, like, he's been a great champion where he's just this baby face who is like, I'm getting beat up, but here's what's going to happen. I'm going to do it. I think what's really interesting is with these promos with Kenny, we've seen a less focused Moxley. So, I really think that it is time for Kenny to win. And I think looking back at Revolution, it was time for Moxley to beat Jericho. But I think AEW is such a good job with their champions. I was really sad when Moxley beat Jericho. I think I'll be really sad when Kenny beats Moxley. But I think a couple weeks in, I'll be like, no, Kenny is the right guy right now. Moxley is still, like, a great guy. He still is a top guy and will always be one. And I think he's winning Wrestler of the Year in the Observer this year. But just now it's time to switch champions. But I think that really goes to show something where I'm like, yeah, it's time for Kane to win the title, then Hangman to win from him. But with every champion so far, while I might have been against the start of the reign, like, I was kind of against Moxley being Jericho. And while I'm for Kenny beating him, I'm going to be really sad when Moxley's title reign is over because he's done such a great job as champion. 
and John Moxley is just such a great babyface champion that I love to root for. Yeah, um, I know we talked about it in the past. I think it was the uh, episode we did before All Out, where we were talking about how the person that makes the most sense to beat Moxley for the title is MJF. But I think aside from MJF, Kenny is one thousand percent the guy who should beat um, Moxley because, I mean, after the all after all the Hangman stuff, all the after all the tag team stuff, he's just kind of been like getting better and better every week. I, like I'm I'm enjoying seeing him more every every week. So I think once he has that title, he's really gonna he's really gonna embrace that um, the cleaner gimmick again. And I think I think he's just gonna take the title and just work with it, and it's yeah. gonna be absolutely amazing. I think it's great because you, I can already kind of see like I, I book out like all the AEW's world title stuff at the very least because it's easy. It's like, all right, now it should be Hangman should probably win the title from Kenny after like a year or so. Like he should probably fail once, and then Kenny should be a few other people. Then Hangman should finally win it because it's like. That's Hangman's arc in making his way a top baby face and going up from an upper mid carter to the top baby face. So it's just, it's really fun that the world title makes sense and means so much. But I want to talk about, and we're running, we don't have a ton of time left here, but um, I want to talk about Kenny's entrance. It's so great. Yeah, I was about to, I was about to say that I, I'm loving how he's saying his accomplishment. Uh, Justin Roberts is naming all of his accomplishments. It's different ones every has, time. He has the girls sweeping. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. It is so good. My favorite was the Moxley one. It was like, like John Moxley, Kenny Omega has also been number one PWI's top five hundred wrestlers of the year. Unlike John Moxley, uh, Kenny Omega is in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Yeah. Unlike John Moxley, Kenny Omega has won the G1 or something. Like it's it's so good because it's like he's equal to him and greater than him from like these historical achievements. And I think Moxley is going to be wrestler of the year in the Observer, and I think he's going to be an Observer Hall of Famer off of this title run. But it's just like right now, Kenny has like all these little achievements that he can flaunt at him. So he he's such a great character. I love his entrance. I love his music. I love his work. I love everything about him. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm excited for Moxley here, or I'm sorry. I'm sorry for I'm excited for Kenny because he he has he hasn't really had like a legitimate singles run in AEW, and I think yeah. I think once he has because he's just such a great wrestler. He's such a great great character. I mean, this is he. It's about time he has he has a a good title run right now. Um. Let's see what else. Uh, Bucks uh, won the tag belt. I forgot about that. I was kind of against the Bucks winning the first match, and I definitely didn't like the stipulation because then I knew that the Bucks were winning. But um, I don't know. It was a great match. Um, I like the DIY and the Heart Foundation callbacks. Like yeah, the, all the all the the callback moves. I, I I think it was a really really good match. It probably one of my favorite matches of the year right now. Yeah, I still prefer the Revolution match, but I think it was definitely up there. Um, I think some of my favorite matches this year are that one, Bucks, Bucks and FTR. I still really, really, really love, um, that one Kenny and Pac, uh, match on Dynamite at the beginning oh, yeah, of the year. Oh, yeah, match, yeah. Um, uh, 
obviously the stadium stampede match. Probably the best uh, match of the year. <laughs> yeah, that was the cinematic masterclass. Um, I also really liked the the elite deletion match. That one was pretty cool. No, it's fun. That went a bit long for me, but I enjoyed it. Also, because I'm a big supporter of Sammy getting bigger and bigger pushes and being a big star. Yeah. So, um, on non-wrestling stuff, and we can go back to wrestling, but I just wanted to mention something non-wrestling related. So, Cobra Kai has a new season coming out on January 18th, I want to say. I think we should start reviewing one episode of Cobra Kai every week and build to that. And we'll, there's some weeks we'll probably have to do two or three to catch up. But I think we should try to do that because I think that'd be a fun thing that we could do to kind of extend like what we do on the podcast. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, just Cobra, Cobra Kai. I, I don't even remember what happened in Cobra Kai because it's been like what, two years since the last season came out? Yeah, it was, like, 2018 and, like, early 2019, and we're gonna get, like, early 2021 as season three. It was because, it was because, uh, YouTube dropped it, and then they had, they had the, their next season pre-recorded. Yeah. They're just waiting for someone to buy it, but it's on Netflix now, so that's good. Yeah. So, um, we'll, we will, um, figure out what our map is for, how many episodes we'll have to review every week and stuff, because I think it's 10 episodes a season, but I feel it could be good for us to get refreshed on that going season three and be an extra fun thing to kind of review and recap. All right, um, do we have anything else in the wrestling world? Um, I guess coronavirus stuff, we're on another shutdown because cases are spiking. Yeah, well, uh, we never really watched it. This is just a more restrictive shutdown again, I'd say. Yeah. We kind of just, uh, like, level, at least in Chicago, we went from, like, Shut down to like kind of shut down. Now we're like shut down again. Um, yeah, but it's it's hopefully at the end of October. Or I'm sorry, at the end of December, because I went to the doctor yesterday. Um, my doctor's uh, she said her son kind of works with uh, the coronavirus task task force, I guess in some way. Um. But they said hopefully by the end of December they'll have a vaccine. That they're saying it's ninety five percent effective, which vaccines is extremely, extremely good, because yeah, um, flu vaccines are only like sixty to seventy percent effective, because they they have to make the vaccine a year before, because they yeah uh, they take a long time to make and they don't know what the strand's going to look like because it evolves every season. So hopefully, hopefully we'll have vaccines by the end of December. Yeah. What I've, and, heard, what I've heard about that Moderna vaccine that's like 99.5% effective is um we probably won't be getting as like general public till quarter one or quarter two. But we, we can definitely get like essential workers and the vulnerable with it by the end of the year, hopefully, which would be really great. Because then it's not like we should still avoid COVID and take precautions, but it's like we'll be able to loosen up a little bit because the cases will have a much lower death rate than yeah um but i was i was also gonna say it's uh yeah it's good we have this vaccine a lot of people are gonna take it but then a lot of people also aren't gonna take it um because a they don't trust it or b they think they're gonna get autism yeah um it's weird you have like this freeway mix where all three sides distrust the vaccine you have the crazy anti-vaxxers vaxxers that are on both sides of the political aisle then you have the people that believe because, like, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and, like, Andrew Cuomo are, like, that 
this vaccine isn't safe because Trump made it. Then you have a couple people who won't take it because of that. Then you have redneck Republicans that won't take it because they're like, no, COVID isn't real. I'm not injecting myself with something the government wants me to inject in. So it's just horrible because like you have people on all sides that are just not going to take it. And that's going to make it harder for everyone. Yeah, but um, I I think I heard, like, I forgot where I heard this, but like 30% of Americans said that they're not going to take the vaccine. 30% is a pretty big number, but I think 70% of the country being potentially immune to the coronavirus is really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think for the anti-vaxxers, sucks for them. But as long as we're vaccinated, we can go back to semi-normal to normal living our lives. As long as a good amount of the population is vaccinated. And we just might have to, like, I don't want us to have, like, vaccination cards or anything to, like, bully the anti-vaxxers. But, like, it's, if we're vaccinated, we're not going to get it from the anti-vaxxers. So, I don't want to say, like, it's not our problem if they start getting sick amongst themselves. But, like, that's their fault. They chose not to take the vaccine. So, we should at least be able to go back to some form of normal once, like, the normal people of this world are vaccinated. Yeah. Um... I think Dr. Fauci said hopefully by June of 2021, we should be we should be back to somewhat uh, normalcy again, which I hope he's right because I'm just I'm tired of being locked up. It's it's going to be almost a year since we found out about this thing, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, and it's it's weird to we're looking at 15 to 16 months like overall of pure lockdown. Which, I don't know. I'm hoping that we can get to the point where purely have a therapeutics, the vaccine is kind of like the final nail in the coffin, and that we're able to kind of open up a little bit more before that vaccine. Because I really don't want to live my life the way I've been living it, like, till June. But, um, I mean, if, if I have to, I have to. But it's like, I've definitely adapted, like, my interaction is mostly through Discord calls with people, not seeing people in person. Yeah, but it's, same. It's still a bit... Um, discomforting because like eventually I'm going to get tired of playing video games for five hours every night and I'm going to want to go like over to a friend's house for five hours some night but I mean it's fine I think for someone like me where I'm often very lazy and unmotivated I probably fare better than some people especially given that like my interests are constantly changing I'm able to pick up more things like whether it's music or video games or whatever but I think even for me, it's starting to get a bit much. And um, it's good to see some light at the end of the tunnel there where we can kind of start to get like a day counter on this finally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just want some normalcy again. I mean, I also, I want to talk about school. I think they got to stop trying to make it seem like, you know, they got to stop trying to be like, keep a routine, treat it like it's normal school. It's not normal school, and they got to stop, stop treating it like it it's is. It's not normal school. It's not healthy. My extracurriculars, so all my music lessons are on a screen now. Most of my free time is spent either worrying to edit music or playing video games, and that's on a computer. And pretty much all of my time at school is on a computer. So I'm legitimately spending probably 9 to 13 hours a day on a computer, and that is not healthy for me. That is not good for me. I would like to be spending maybe five hours a day on a computer. 
And yes, am I settled into this online school? Sure. But is it a good type of settled in? No. Is it a good thing that I'm settled in? No. And I understand the arguments both ways of open schools keep the schools closed, but I think we should at least allow a hybrid schedule because there needs to be that option for kids that want to go in person to be able to go in person. Because listen, I think everyone, we have to do it safely. And I see arguments about how it'd be completely safe or how it wouldn't be safe at all. And I see arguments in between. And I'm starting to land more and more in between the more I look at stuff. And I think that if you have someone vulnerable that lives with you, you shouldn't go back in person. But I think that if you personally have no risk factors and you will have known as risk factors, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to go to a socially distanced classroom where you're masked all day. So I, I don't think, know. I think at the very least they should offer in, in school classes to um, people who need special education. Well, they're doing and, that, luckily. And, and to people who have conditions like ADD or ADHD who can't pay attention because it's it's so much harder for them to um, be engaged in an online class because it's so much easier to get distracted from that. Yeah, I can't... I mean, I naturally struggle to be engaged in the online class. And, like, I've always been a little bit hyper. But, like, for my friends that are actually, like, full-on ADD and ADHD, like, I can't imagine how bad it is. Yeah, I, I, I really do think yeah. it's not healthy that so I, they're trying to make it seem like a regular school. Yeah, so there needs to be some form of offering for... At least, I know some special ed kids have gone back in person. That's good. I think... It's really tough to analyze risk factors on this because there's so many layers to it. But I think there should be a universe in when it, where at least some people are able to go back in person because it's really starting to become an issue. Yeah, but um, I think that's about it then. Yeah, cool. Um, we're running right up on our time um, here anyway. So um, thank you for listening to the Josh and Ethan show. We should be back weekly now. And we will see you next time.